Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. to you and assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh welcome to another edition of the relief network here on the voice of the cape 91.3 fm studio my name is ashraf kini and this morning we're going to be featuring uh, as we mentioned last week the largest muslim organization in the world islamic relief and uh, i'm very pleased to be joined in studio this morning uh, by very two sp- two very special people uh, one firstly brother yusuf muhammad the chief operating officer of islamic relief and uh, then as well we joined in studio by sheikh riyad walls who is the director of the algeme foundation and also an islamic relief ambassador gentlemen sheikh assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh brother ashraf and all the listeners uh, shukran so much for joining us i think to start off we just it feels like we've just entered into the month of Ramadan and uh, already the first 10 days of the month of Ramadan is concluded and uh, so we have about 20 days if not less than 20 days to go for the month of Ramadan so time is really 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 going quickly hmm? yeah that's true eh? uh, subhanallah one thinks about it 10 days and mm-hmm. it's like it just started yesterday mm-hmm. uh, I suppose uh, it's signs of the times mm-hmm. you know, that days are like what what's the saying, Sheikh? Uh, that a year is like a month, and the month will be like a week, and a week will be like a day. One of the things that will happen towards the end of time is that uh, baraka will be removed from time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So literally, it's almost like time is accelerated, mm-hmm. and we feel that you know a day almost becomes like an hour, and mm-hmm. um, a week almost becomes like a day. So mm-hmm. that's why mm-hmm. Uh, Allah SWT swears by the token of time that mm-hmm. indeed all of mankind are in loss. Mm-hmm. So when, when it comes to the topic of time, Sheikh, yeah. isn't it important then that we, that we make every second count? Of course. That we make whatever we do, mm-hmm. not only in this month of Ramadan, mm-hmm. but out of the month of Ramadan, that we make every second count. Yeah. All 86,400 mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. 86,400. Uh, it's like when I uh, did uh, a computer programming course mm-hmm. many years ago and uh, our lecturer, Peter, I'll never forget, he he said that uh, imagine every day you have 86,400 rand deposited into your account. Mm-hmm. But the condition is you have to spend it all because if there's any money left over at the mm-hmm. end of the day, Delivery. it'll be taken out of your mm-hmm. account. Now we are being given... By Allah subhanahu mm-hmm. wa ta'ala every day 86,400 seconds mm-hmm. and if we don't use them wisely, if we don't uh, make maximum benefit out of them mm-hmm. for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will lose them and they will ne- never return mm-hmm. to us. So like you say, mm-hmm. we have to make every second count. So when we, when we speak about Ramadan and we think about Ramadan, it's of course the time that people or people will refer to as the month of giving, mm-hmm. right? And so we've spoken about how to make every second count and how important mm. that is. How important is it that we make 
our charity count this, this month of Ramadan. Well, it is reported in a hadith that our beloved Prophet Muhammad in fact, this is from Abdullah ibn Abbas. He says that our beloved Prophet Muhammad he was the most generous of people. And he was even more generous in the month of Ramadan. So we mustn't only be generous mm-hmm. in the month of Ramadan, we must be generous right throughout the month. But especially in Ramadan, why? Because it is the month of Taqwa. Mm-hmm. Indeed, fasting is being prescribed for you, just like it was prescribed on those who came before you, in order that you might develop taqwa. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been discussed at length, the shield of taqwa, shielding ourselves from all words and all mm-hmm. deeds that would bring upon us the displeasure of Allah, but also shielding ourselves from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because we have certain inherent qualities that need to be kept at bay. And one of those inherent qualities is greed. Mm-hmm. Allah says in the Holy Quran that every soul has been presented with its portion of greed and you can see what's happening in the world today mm-hmm. the reason why there are 3 billion people half the world's population in poverty is because of greed because you have 1% of the world's adults controlling more than half of the world's wealth I think it's uh, Oxfam that said that the top 8 billionaires in the world control about half the world's wealth. And 10% of the world's adults control approximately 85% of the world's wealth. And 30% of the world's adults control 97% of the world's wealth. And this is because of shah, because of greed. And our beloved Prophet he warned us, he said, If you see obeyed greed, now what does that tell you? It tells you that the greed is there in mankind. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us as human beings who have been created with the ability to choose. It's our choice whether we want to obey that greed, give in to that greed, mm-hmm. or whether we want to shield ourselves from that greed, which we have more chance of doing in Ramadan than any other time in the year. Mm-hmm. But can it then not be argued that when attaining or, or, or seeking one's rizik, um, would that be considered greed as well? Or um, would that be considered just attaining one's rizik? And, and when does it yeah. get to the point of attain, when, let's say, working uh, towards something that it becomes greed? No, well, Allah he says in Surah Al-Qasas, mm-hmm. you know, with regards, this is a story I've been uh, speaking to Adi Sulayla, it will be about, uh, we just got started last week about the story of Qarun. Mm-hmm. Um, where his people, you know, um, warned him, you know, not to not to gloat, not to be boastful about what he has. Why? Because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given it to him, and they said, Use that which you have, that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has given you, to seek the world hereafter. So everything that we have, everything that's in the world, has been created for us. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has created everything on this earth. In order that we can utilize it to attain that ultimate goal, drawing closer to Allah SWT on the dunya and attaining paradise in the akhirah. Mm-hmm. But then Allah SWT, in the next verse, he says, And don't forget your portion of this world. Mm-hmm. So part of that ibadah, that's the reason why we've been created, to worship Allah SWT. I've not created the jinn or mankind except for the purpose of worship. Part of that worship. Part of that amana, that trust that we've taken on from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that we have certain responsibilities. Responsibilities to our dependents, 
to our spouses, our children, maybe even our, uh, our parents if they are, de- are dependent on us, mm-hmm. if uh, their needs are not fulfilled by themselves, then they become our responsibility. And in Islam, charity begins at home. Mm-hmm. That the best coin a man can spend, says our beloved Prophet ﷺ, is a coin that he spends on his dependents. So what I'm saying is that yes, we go out to seek for our lawful sustenance. Mm-hmm. Let's underline the word lawful. Yeah. Because Al-Haram la indama la yanfa, because mm-hmm. that which is unlawful will not last. And if it lasts, it will not benefit. Mm-hmm. So we go out every day in search of our lawful sustenance and we look after our needs, the needs of our dependents. And now here comes the test. Mm-hmm. Whatever is surplus, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to stick it in the bank. We're not supposed to stick it under the mattress. What is surplus is what we are supposed to spend, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects us to spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And min tab'idiyah, that's some out of what we have granted them, they spend it. Mm-hmm. Some of it they've spent on themselves, some of it they've spent on their dependents. Yeah. But that which is surplus. That we must spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The problem is people are hoarding. Mm-hmm. And that comes brings us brings me back to greed. Mm-hmm. If I can just share this one verse with you, uh, in Surah Al-Taghabun, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fattakullah mastata'atum. Shield yourselves from Allah's displeasure as you are able to. In other words, try your best. Mm-hmm. Then he says, and listen and obey. What must we listen to? We must listen to what Allah is telling us in the Quran. We must listen to what our beloved Prophet ﷺ is telling us in the Hadith. وَأَطِيعُوا and obey Allah and His Messenger. And then He says, وَأَنْفِقُوا خَيْرًا لِأَنْفُسِكُمْ And spend, it's better for you. Don't hold on to it. Don't be stingy. Listen, there's, there, there is a, there's a mindset problem out there, uh, Brother Ashraf and uh, Brother Yusuf. That um, we think that if we're going to give our wealth away, in Charity, mm-hmm. as we speak about, make your charity count. Mm-hmm. That we're going to become the poorer. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to go hungry, and that's not the case. Uh, our beloved Prophet says, "Rizqulayyankusubi sadaqa." Rizq will never diminish, will never decrease through sadaqa, and as a direct result, we become stingy, mm-hmm. we become tight-fisted, and we want to hold on to our wealth. And that's why Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Wala yahsabna al-ladina yabkhaluna." بِمَا آتَاهُمُ اللَّهُ مِنْ فَضِّهُ وَخَيْرٌ لَهُمْ بَلْ هُوَ شَرٌ لَهُمْ سَيُتَوَّقُونَ مَا بَخِلُوا بِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ That do not, let them not think for one second. That by being stingy, now listen carefully, by being stingy with that which Allah has granted to them out of His favor, reminding us that it comes from Allah and it belongs to Him. It's only been placed in our hands. As a trust. So let them not think for one second by being stingy with that which Allah has granted to them out of His favor that it's good for them. Nay, it is bad for them. In fact, that wealth that they have held onto, that they have hoarded up, will appear like a python, like a boa constrictor on the day of Qiyamah, strangling them for their stinginess on the dunya. We're talking about spending and sometimes hoarding the wealth that we, that we have. During the month of Ramadan, though, is is this not the ideal time for us to yeah. firstly relook at the way we've been doing things, if that's indeed yeah. the way we've been doing it, and to also find a change or Inshallah, see the change? And, and, and well, like the it. saying goes, strike while the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. Well, we must give while the heart is soft. Mm-hmm. 
And inshallah, we hope that it remains soft. Yeah. You see, during Ramadan, and it's like in the hadith of Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, when the Prophet ﷺ asked him, ماذا um, تحب? And he said, أحب ثلاثة يا رسول الله. He said, I love three things, a messenger of Allah. أحب المرض, أحب الجوء, أحب الموت. He said, I love sickness, I love hunger, and I love death. Other Sahaba that were sitting there were shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one of them said, uh, um, you know, uh, in fact, the Prophet said then to Abu Dhar, he said, Ya Abu Dhar, inna nasa yakrawunaha fakifu tuhibbuha. Mankind hates these three things. Uh, sickness, hunger, mm-hmm. and death. How can you love them? So he said, Uhibbu al-marad li'annabihi ghufira dhambi. He said, I love to be sick because when I'm sick, my sins are forgiven. Qalbi, and I love to be to go hungry because when I'm hungry my heart is softened. And the third one he said, rabbi, and I look forward to my death because I'm going to meet my Lord mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But let's just concentrate on that second, second one. He said, I love when I go hungry, my heart is softened. Why? Oh, it's uh, natural mm-hmm. that when we feel the pangs of hunger, I mean fasting is so easier. Uh, how can I say it's so easy? Nowadays, because uh, it's winter mm-hmm. and our hours are short and the temperatures are low, Salah um, Subhanahu has made it so easy for us. But mm-hmm. we can also remember those of us that were fasting in the in the heat of the summer, mm-hmm. or maybe we fasted in in, in Makkah or Medina. Mm-hmm. Um, we've all felt those pangs of hunger, whereby we can now empathize with the less fortunate, mm-hmm. with the needy, with the hungry, and so that is supposed to sort of sort of prick us into wanting to to share of our wealth, to alleviate that poverty, to alleviate the need that so many millions, in fact billions of people have around the world. And, uh, and Ramadan, why is much, what makes Ramadan so special is the shield of taqwa. Mm-hmm. It's not only shielding us from bad words and bad deeds, but also shielding us from this greed. Mm-hmm. Because if we go back to that verse that I mentioned from Surah Al-Taghabun, mm-hmm. uh, verse number 16, you can look it up at home, inshallah ta'ala, to the respected listeners. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Shield yourselves from the displeasure of Allah as you are able to. وَاسْمَعُوا وَعَطِيُوا And listen and obey. Listen to the Qur'an, to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering you. Listen to the hadith, what our beloved Prophet is ordering us. And then he says, وَأَنْفِقُوا خَيْرًا لِأَنفُسِكُمْ And spend, it's better for you. And whoever shields themselves from their greed, then they will be the successful mm-hmm. ones. And is the time of Ramadan not the easier time of the year to do that? Because the hearts are already softened. Well, exactly. That's mm-hmm. the exact point that I'm making is that we must take the opportunity. You know, this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us 29 or 30 days mm-hmm. to bring about a lasting change in our lives. Unless we look at Ramadan as something cultural. Mm-hmm. And why am I fasting? Because everybody else is fasting. You know, why am I going to the masjid? Because everybody else is going mm-hmm. to the masjid. No, that, that mustn't be our mindset. Our mindset must be, this is a time for change. Like when uh, you join a certain organization, you have to go for training. Mm-hmm. And there's intense training, let's say for a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go to the army, you have basic training. Navy, basic training. You go and join a specific company with, at, that requires a specific skill set. You go for training. Now, Ramadan is the time for training us in order, bi'idhnillah ta'ala, to maintain that Allah consciousness right throughout the year. So if we bring about change in Ramadan, it must be for the remaining 
11 months of the year until the next Ramadan mm-hmm. until we replenish and, re- and mend that shield mm-hmm. of taqwa uh, and we are speaking about spending or making your charity count we have to keep that greed at bay mm-hmm. that greed is what is causing us to be stingy that stinginess is causing us to hold on to our wealth and that is going to cause us to have a long court case in front of Allah on the day of Qiyamah mm-hmm. for Dayl ibn Ayyad he said be careful what you wish for because the person that wishes for a lot of wealth wishes for a long court case in front of Allah because as in the hadith of our beloved Prophet ﷺ, that the feet of mankind will not move from his place of standing until he's been questioned about four. شَبَابُكَ فِيمَا أَبْلَيْتَ وَعُمُرُكَ فِيمَا أَفْنَيْتَ وَمَالُكَ مِنْ أَيْنَ اكْتَسَبْتَ وَفِيمَا أَنْفَقْتَ وَعِلْمُكَ مَاذَا صَنَعْتَ بِي your youth, how you tested in it, your life, how did you live it, your money, where did you get it from and how did you spend it? And your knowledge, what did you do with it? So it's not a sin to be rich. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. Let me say three times. It's not a sin to be rich. Mm-hmm. It's not a sin to be rich. <laughs> money is not the root to all evil. It's the love of money. And when I say it's not a sin to be rich, in other words, it's not a sin to make money mm-hmm. and to amass wealth. No, no, mm-hmm. to amass wealth, to hoard wealth. This is a problem. Okay. Okay. What I'm saying, it's not a sin to make money. Okay. To be a, in fact, you must be the best businessman you can be. Beloved Prophet says, if you do anything, then be professional in what you are doing. So be the best businessman, make lots of money. Not to hoard, mm-hmm. but to look after yourself and your dependents and the rest to empower. To empower the Ummah of Muhammad and to spend on mankind. To alleviate poverty, to build hospitals, to build schools, mm-hmm. you know, to spend where it is needed. Because this is the trust. As well as Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَنْفِقُوا مِمَّا جَعَلَكُمْ مُسْتَخْلَفِينَ فِي And spend out of that which Allah has made you trustees of. It doesn't belong to us. And that is why it's okay to have wealth if you understand the responsibility of wealth. Because then it will be a ni'mah. Then you will spend it. وَأَنْفِقُوا خَيْرًا لِأَنفُسِكُمْ And spend. It's better for you. Like Abu Talha. When he gave away his garden, Bayraha, mm-hmm. in Medina, he was one of the wealthiest of the Ansar. Mm-hmm. And so when that verse came down, mm-hmm. You will never attain righteousness until you give away what you love. So he came to the Prophet and said, He said, My most beloved material position, O Messenger of Allah, is the garden of Bayraha. And I've made it as a charity for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet actually said to him, he said, Bakhin, Bakhin. Now, Bakhin, Bakhin is like if you, Ashraf, do something good, and I want to show that I'm so happy with what you have done, and I want to praise you in the same, at the same time, then I use this ism uh, fa'al, it's a, a verbal noun. Bakhin, Bakhin, he said to him. He said, Thalika malun rabih. Thalika malun rabih. He said, that is profitable money. That is profitable money. When did the money become profitable? Mm. When did the material position become profitable? Only when it left his hand. Mm. While he was holding on to it, it's actually a liability. Mm-hmm. Because w- when we are holding on to that wealth, we can have to answer for it another day of Yom Qiyamah. But if we give it away, and Ya Allah, like when the man came to the door of Sayyidina Umar, mm-hmm. and you know the Arabs, they could make poetry at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. In fact, Sayyidina Umar didn't have a door. He had a curtain hanging over his, uh, over the front of his house, over the, the opening to his house. <coughs> and 
So this man made some poetry. He was very poor and he was in need. He said, Ya Umar al-Khayra juzit al-Jannah. Uksubanati wa ummahunna. Wa kullana bizamani junna. Uksim billahi la taf'alanna. He said, Oh, Umar, do some good. You will go to Jannah. Clothe my daughters and their mother. And be a shield for us in the time of difficulty. I swear by Allah, you will do it. Who is he talking to? He's talking to Omar. Hey, So, said the Omar says to him, "Illa ma faalan." If I don't do it, what you gonna do? So he says, "Idan Abu Hafsin la tadhabanna." In that case, oh Abu Hafs, he's kunya Abu Hafs. Said Omar, "On that day you will have to go." Meaning the day of Qiyamah, the day of judgment. Yawma takun al-Aqtiyatu minna. The day when the things that we have given away will be the greatest favor on us. And the one who had been asked to give will be standing in front of Allah. And depending on whether they gave or whether they held on to that wealth, they will either go to the fire or they will go to paradise. So Sayyidina Umar says to his servant, he said, Ya Ghulam, oh my boy, I'tihi qamisi. Give him my shirt. The man is looking for clothing for his daughters and their mother, his wife. He says, Give him my shirt. Not because of his poetry. He said, Give him my shirt. Not for his poetry. But give it for that day. For wallahi la amliku Because by Allah, I don't own anything besides it. And this, this for me is one of the greatest um, stories about, you know, that we can all give something. You don't have to be a millionaire, you know, to give charity. Mm-hmm. Everybody can give something. Our beloved Prophet says, shield yourself from the fire of Jahannam, even if it's with half a date. Mm-hmm. If that's all you can give, give half the date. Look at uh, the story of Sayyidina Ali. When Fatima al-Zahra anha was sick, and uh, he asked her, Mother Tashtahina, Ya Fatima, what do you want? For what hit ilus my sweetheart? Hey? And so what did she say? Ashtahi Romana. She said, I would like a pomegranate. And so he goes to the market. He said, He doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. Only got enough money to buy one pomegranate. And he buys the pomegranate, and on his way back home, he sees a poor man lying in the street and the man is moaning of pangs of hunger and the man's tattered clothing and he said what's wrong and the man said people have been walking past me for hours and nobody helps me so said Ali looked at the at the pomegranate and he thought of Fatima at home mm-hmm. but then he thought okay this man needs it more so he opened the pomegranate and he fed the man and he went home feeling very you know shy you know but the fact that he couldn't now bring mm. something uh, to, to cheer her up a little bit so but when he told her that he had given the pomegranate mm. in the path of Allah for charity she said the fact that you gave it in the path of Allah Allah has removed the desire of that pomegranate from my heart <laughs> and then and then he, he was lucky he was lucky alhamdulillah <laughs> and then there was a knock at the door and who's standing at the door? Sayyidina Salman al-Farisi. And in the hands of Sayyidina Salman is a, is a plate. Mm. And there's a cover over the plate. And Sayyidina Salman says, Ya Ali, هَذَا مِنَ اللَّهِ إِلَىٰ رَسُولِهِ إِلَيْكَ This 
is from Allah to his messenger to you. And he opens the cover, and what's on the plate? Nine pomegranates. Hmm. Sayyidina Ali looks at this and he says, uh, Ya Salman, لو كان هذا لي لكان عشرة. Oh Salman, if this was for me, it would have been ten. بقوله تعالى من جاء بالحسنة فله عشر أمثالها. By the words of Allah, that whoever brings one good deed, Allah will multiply it by ten. I said, Nasser man took the, the tenth pomegranate out from under his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Wallahi, Ali kana ashara. Indeed, it was ten in number. Walakin aradtu an azdada bika imana. But I wanted to increase your iman, mm-hmm. increase your faith by keeping it behind. Mm-hmm. So, he gave away one pomegranate. Mm-hmm. Something small. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put barakah in his wealth. Mm-hmm. And imagine how much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to multiply that one pomegranate, inshallah, on the day of Yom Qiyamah. يُضَاعِفُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala multiplies for those whom it pleases him to multiply for. Amen. Sheikh, it's been, it's been very uh, interesting. It's been a good discussion thus far, alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Sheikh uh, has to rush off to another mm-hmm. appointment. Inshallah, hopefully we can continue this conversation in uh, coming shows, inshallah. We of course pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant Sheikh to be a benefit of the ummah for many more years, mm-hmm. inshallah, so that we can continue to benefit from you. Um, and we also pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and your family, inshallah. For all of us, inshallah. Uh, and inshallah. Jazakumullah khairan. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Sheikh. Joining me in studio now is uh, the COO or the Chief Operating Officer of Islamic Relief South Africa, Brother Yusuf Muhammad. Brother Yusuf, Assalamu alaikum. Once again, you've, you've been quiet for the first part of the show. Uh, I think mesmerized by um, the talk or the discussion that we just had with Sheikh Riyadh. Um, he's spoken about a number of different things, particularly around spending and making one's charity count and not warding, etc., etc. Now, Islamic Relief is an organization, as we mentioned, that has been and is on the forefront of many, many major conflicts uh, around the world, if not all the major conflicts around the world. Um, we've spoken last week about the fact that Islamic Relief is in f- more than 42, has more than 42 offices around the world, uh, has a presence in more than 42 countries, uh, and is engaged with a number of different things, both locally and internationally. And we touched on some of those things last week. Mm-hmm. And to tie into the discussion that we've just had with Sheikh Riyad in terms of making the charity count, um, one would obviously then look at, so, if making one's charity count is important this Ramadan, I think let's start with what Islamic Relief will be doing this Ramadan that people can get involved in and people can support um, firstly and then we can touch on the other th- the others a bit later on, inshallah. Inshallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yes, uh, as you said, Brother Ashraf, we were listening to Sheikh Riyad and really um, one never tires from listening to Sheikh, uh, especially when he gives such uh, beautiful nasiha. Uh, practical tips on how we can um, not only benefit from Ramadan but our responsibility really as Muslims, as believers in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, what, using what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has entrusted us with uh, in the best possible way to secure our akhirah mm-hmm. because ultimately that's what it's about we are on this dunya as travelers uh, working to secure our place in the akhirah by acquiring or attaining the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I mean, how do we attain that mercy? It's when we do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects of us. Mm. Uh, wealth, as we know, can be a, a, a big test 
Uh, it's not uh, a sign in any way of Allah's bounty. Mm-hmm. It's more of a test to see whether we, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restricts wealth uh, from us, what do we do to uh, attain it? Mm-hmm. And if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses us with wealth, how do we spend it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in both cases, uh, it's a test. And for us at Islamic Relief, uh, we consider ourselves just to be a vehicle uh, to enable those who have Mm-hmm. To fulfill the right of those who do not have um, As as we know um, If you have any money For example you have some money that you've saved And you want to invest it mm-hmm. I know Sheikh Riyad spoke about hoarding mal- uh, mm-hmm. wealth But in terms of doing business And securing one's yeah, future securing, right? And obviously mm-hmm. I mean we're living in In times today where Especially education for our children mm-hmm. For example is, is, It comes at a cost mm-hmm. And we, we normally try and plan, and there's nothing wrong in planning mm-hmm. for the future, uh, beyond, obviously, not to, to exceed the limits. Mm. But if you plan for your future by investing your money, I mean, what do you do? Do you just go to anybody, uh, you know, to invest your money mm-hmm. with them? Do you go to the guy, you know, that, uh, that you find on the corner of the street? Mm-hmm. Uh, you obviously do your homework. Mm-hmm. You'll see what options there are mm-hmm. for you to invest your money. That what's going to bring you the best return mm. And there are several factors that you would look at You know, the track record mm. The the past results mm. Of whichever or, uh, company Or mm. investment broker you, you're looking to Invest your money mm. with Now we at Islamic Relief We consider the money you entrust us with As your investment in the Akhirah mm-hmm. And I think everybody really should Consider their charity that they give As their investment in the Akhirah mm-hmm. And not just give it uh, just you know, willy nilly, without giving due thought and due consideration to who they're giving their money to and how they are giving it for what cause, mm-hmm. because ultimately it's you're entrusted with it, and you're not only entrusted with, you know, the the, the easy thing to say is okay, I've given it away, mm-hmm. but you are, you you have a certain responsibility to ensure that when you give it, you give it in the appropriate way, and mm-hmm. you give it to those most in mm-hmm. need, or you give it to where it's going to have the most impact. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, the more people that benefit from your donation, your donation or your charity, mm-hmm. that's going to result in yeah. a reward. Your reward in the akhirah. Yeah. Uh, I always like to think of uh, the example given to us by Dr. Hani Al Banna, mm-hmm. the founder of Islamic Relief, when he spoke about you know how Islamic Relief started. The person that donated, not. To, to give the full story But mm-hmm. somebody basically paid for his airline ticket mm-hmm. To attend a conference in mm-hmm. Sudan mm-hmm. And he always thinks back to that person Whom he never met mm-hmm. But because of that donation Which the person gave And the meeting which ensued mm-hmm. Islamic Relief was founded mm-hmm. And today as you said In 42 countries across the globe Spending literally billions of dollars Every year to provide for the most needy and vulnerable people on the planet. And where did it all start? It started from a, a donation, maybe a few, maybe a hundred or less uh, Egyptian pounds. Mm-hmm. But imagine that person on the day of Qiyamah when he stands before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah tells him, this is your portion of Jannah. Mm-hmm. And he says, Ya Allah, but how did I achieve all this? What did I do? Mm-hmm. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows him back to that mm-hmm. donation which he gave. He may be not thinking about what, you know, what he's giving it yeah. for, but the sincerity of giving it. Mm-hmm. So for us at Islamic Relief, I like to think, think of ourselves like that. We are your investment brokers for mm-hmm. the Akhirah. Mm-hmm. So when you entrust us with your charity, 
we we adopt a very carefully tailored approach we we exercise extreme sometimes you could consider it extreme measures to ensure mm-hmm. that we maximize the impact of your donations mm-hmm. um, and that ranges from I mean, a variety of proje- mm-hmm. pro- programs and projects mm-hmm. that we that we do run we mm-hmm. do obviously mm-hmm. our boreholes yeah. ac- across Africa mm-hmm. um, we if, if I may ask mm-hmm. brother Yusuf why not water wells water wells seem um, within the reach of people in terms of it being the, the cost financially mm-hmm. um, and it's something that, that people are quite you know, um, interested in, in, in getting involved in and sponsoring. Mm. Uh, Islamic Relief does not do water wells. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, we we steer away from water wells, Brother Ashraf, because it has been shown that water wells have a very limited lifespan. Mm-hmm. Um, the, they don't uh, bore deep enough. Yeah. And in, throughout Africa, in fact, um, Brother Zain Biko, when he was here not too long ago, he in fact traveled with... Mm-hmm a group from Islamic Relief uh, through West Africa, they went to Mali and he also told me you know, what he had seen himself, that there are many of these uh, water wells that mm-hmm. have been closed up they last for about two years, two to three years and then they run dry the boils that Islamic Relief uh, we, that we bore they are in designed to last at least 80 years, mm-hmm. and so it's basically a, a lifetime mm-hmm. um, and many of them, you know, inshallah, we hope that it will last beyond that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the type of balls that we do, it's designed to last that long. So we go to much, much deeper depths mm-hmm. um, in order to ensure this type of longevity of the, of mm-hmm. the, bo- of the borehole itself. Mm-hmm. And then other factors that Again, we... Again, and, and, and my assumption would then be that it ties into the impact and making sure that the impact of that donation towards a borehole yeah. would then obviously be an 80-year impact rather than a 2 to 3 yeah, impact. Rather than a 2 to 3 mm-hmm. you know, 100%. I mean, in fact, to give you an idea, in, in Mali, we did a borehole that cost 300,000 rand. Mm-hmm. Now people say 300,000 rand for a mm-hmm. borehole when I can get, do a water well for 18,000 mm-hmm. or 20, I'm not sure what the, mm-hmm. the, the, the amount mm-hmm. is now. Um, the reason we did a ball like that was because, because by the, the study that was done and the assessment was, that mm-hmm. was done prior to uh, establishing this ball, we found that the, the village that it was servicing in Mali, it was servicing a number of villages, but the ones that used to come fetch the water were small girls, mm-hmm. young girls from the mm-hmm. village. They used to come and fetch the water. And for them to walk a few kilometers firstly and then fill uh, a container with water to carry it back they they are firstly too small to pump water from mm. a, from the ball, so we installed solar panels that mm. r- that run motors mm. that then all they have to do is turn a tap, tap. Mm. and then the water runs, and also the positioning of the ball was close to a school, mm. which was also part of the plan was that a a clinic. medical facility clinic would be established nearby, so. It's part of a broader program, a broad, broader project. So when when the water well, or sorry, the ball was established, it had a much longer term vision and in terms of the impact in mind. So uh, sorry, we yeah. we're so speaking about just, just just before we continue. So it's yeah. not just a matter about going in yeah. um, and determining. Okay, let's put one there and let's put another one there and let's put another one there. No, uh, based on what you're saying, it's 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 a deep. Uh, quite an intense process that 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 goes 
in in terms of making sure that the area that's mm-hmm. chosen and the positioning and wood servicing, all of those things are, are taken into account. Yes, no, and that uh, that assessment normally takes quite a while. Mm-hmm. We don't just go in and you know uh, copy paste mm-hmm. from a previous project. Mm-hmm. All the n- a proper needs assessment mm-hmm. is done of the community that's going to be serviced, and all of this due diligence is exercised mm-hmm. prior to the establishment of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day. <coughs> You'd rather take a share in a big project like Mm -hmm. that that has long-term impact, Mm -hmm. and that's what we encourage our donors to do. Don't you know just do it because you want to have a plaque with your name Mm -hmm. on there saying that this you know belongs Mm -hmm. to this family, and then after a very short time, there's no more impact. Mm -hmm. Rather, the plaque remains. The plaque remains, but the water is Mm -hmm. no longer there uh, for the community to Mm -hmm. benefit. Rather, do a long-term project, you know, where the community is going to benefit and the impact will be felt much, you know. Mm much longer mm. um, yeah so that that's the approach um, that's Paul's but you know we, yeah. we digress in, in terms of our Ramadan program um, we do the normal food hamper program which mm. we've done alhamdulillah we've distributed already in Zimbabwe Lesotho and locally um, reaching over 8,000 families mm-hmm. um, sorry 8,000 individuals mm-hmm. uh, we, we consider families between the four and five um, per family um, and this that We've just completed our distribution now, alhamdulillah. Mm. Uh, but obviously we know mm. there is a continuous need. Uh, we do work with other organizations locally, mm. for example, the Masajid in the area to establish where the needs are. Mm. So where there are communities that are being serviced by mm. other organizations, then we'll go and find other communities mm. that are not being serviced. Yeah. Uh, we plan, inshallah, to do some of the outlying communities mm. outside of Cape Town mm. that don't often get reached. Mm. Uh, for example, the, uh, the Chatsworth community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be visiting them pretty soon, inshallah. inshallah. With the, um, what's the, the bikers group, uh, it Open Art, Project mm. Open Art. Mm-hmm. Um, inshallah, they are partnering with us, or we partnering with them in order to reach this community. Uh, and then it's the normal programs that, con- that are mm-hmm. continuous, our orphans uh, program, mm-hmm. um, and then also our emergency relief in the war-torn areas that mm-hmm. you did mention. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the, the feeding of, of during the month of Ramadan, mm-hmm. I think what is, 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 is quite astonishing is that you mentioned 8,000 individuals were serviced. Mm-hmm. And if we if we put that on an average in terms of families, we, you're looking at about forty thousand people that were that were fed uh, through Islamically South Africa's um, Ramadan intervention this year across um, across the Islamic Relief worldwide family. I think that number increases to about uh, two million. If I'm not mistaken, no, no. the 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 goal this year is to reach a million people. Okay, uh, two hundred. I think it's two hundred and one thousand hampers mm-hmm. across the world. And when we speak of AMPA, it's a substantial AMPA that's mm-hmm. obviously uh, planned to, or designed and prepared to last for a month. Um, and in fact, some of our, our field workers that came back from Zimbabwe last mm-hmm. week, um, I'm, sh- I'm not sure if we interviewed them or if you're going to be interviewing. We haven't, we haven't yet. Okay. But some of the stories that we heard, for example, in Zimbabwe, of people who, since last year, this is the first groceries that they've received mm-hmm. since Islamic Relief visited them last year. So you can imagine there are people that have been waiting actually for Ramadan to come so that they can receive groceries. Mm-hmm. They've been living subsistence farming lives, mm-hmm. so they've only been eating from the earth mm-hmm. from then until now, and this is the first groceries that they've received mm-hmm. since last year. Um, yeah, Alhamdulillah, we just feel very fortunate that we are able to reach uh, mm-hmm. these communities because we have the infrastructure to do so. Yeah. And 
and we offer this opportunity to our donors that we are able to reach the people that are most in need in some of the most mm-hmm. remote places mm-hmm. on earth, in some of the most war-ravaged areas, as you said, uh, where Islamic Relief still has a presence. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, we are able to reach these people mm-hmm. and to pre- provide at least some mm-hmm. assistance. In, in the two minutes that we have left before we have to take a break, we, we know about Islamic Relief's presence in Syria and Palestine and all these countries. Mm. Speak to us about Islamic Relief's intervention and their presence in Yemen. Because as I understand, Islamic Relief is one of the few organizations uh, that are actually working within the borders of Yemen. Yes, alhamdulillah, Islamic Relief uh, is working in Yemen. Um, we've managed to uh, deliver uh, much needed aid, not mm. only now in Ramadan, but for the last two years Islamic Relief has been involved there. Um, the exact figures I don't have mm. on hand as to what how many food hampers were distributed, mm. uh, but there was a significant allocation made to to Yemen, and we do have a team there on the ground now, mm. and they have as they have been for the last two years. Mm. Alhamdulillah. So it seems as if Islamic Relief, in terms of the work that they do, it's mm. not just going out and not just opening up a pot and distributing food. It's not just about packing parcels and distributing the, the said parcels. Mm. Everything that goes into the work that is done by Islamic Relief is well thought out. The impact is, uh, there's an impact assessment that is done to ensure that the most people benefit from, from a particular project. And uh, of course that when um, a donor then gives his or her money that it actually then goes towards uh, that particular project that makes a greater impact as you mentioned. Yes, um, this, this is correct, Brother Ashraf. We, um, we, like as I said, we adopt a very carefully tailored mm-hmm. approach. Um, we sometimes could be considered to be too cautious, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, we, are, we have a responsibility to our donors. Mm-hmm. So ensuring that we use the funds that are entrusted to us in the most appropriate manner is always you know, front of mind for, for all Islamic relief officers around the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, any organization that has such a large infrastructure as, as Islamic relief, there are certain costs involved in delivering the aid, but all of these costs are very well um, you know, explained and identified mm-hmm. and itemized when, mm-hmm. we, when we provide our reports. Mm-hmm. So you can see exactly what percentage mm-hmm. of the... Of the money that was donated goes towards operational costs Mm -hmm. which we try and keep to a minimum Mm -hmm. but these costs are incurred Mm -hmm. there's no way you can escape them Mm -hmm. for example in syria there are warehousing costs there's delivery costs there's staff costs in order i mean we have field workers that need a stipend Mm -hmm. to be paid to them in order for them to carry out this very dangerous Mm -hmm. but much needed work so all of these costs are taken Mm -hmm. into account and our reports clearly Mm -hmm. identify them uh, and we i mean we don't shy away from explaining exactly what, what, how the funds are being spent. Mm-hmm. Joining me in studio now is a number of different people, but before I go ahead and introduce them, I'd like to invite you to give your comments and thoughts and questions on our WhatsApp line, and I'll ask the producer just to give that to me shortly. And uh, the uh, SMS line, of course, 47913, and that's really how you can communicate with us this morning. As I mentioned, I've got a full studio now. Joining me in studio still, Brother Yusuf Mohammed, the COO of uh, Islamic Relief South Africa. I've also got the... Uh, uh, chairperson of the Two Oceans Education Foundation, Molana Ali Adam, as well as Mr. Yusuf Acha, who is the principal of the Leadership College. And then I've also got two students of the Leadership College. They have the same initial, they have the same surname, but they're not related. That's what they've told me. Um, so it's Zahid. Huh? Zahra Hendricks. Hendricks, okay. Hendricks. 
Okay, my apologies for that. Um, so they don't have the same surname, which means this needs to change over here. So it will be Zaid Abbas and Zahra Hendricks. My apologies for that. That's joining us in studio this morning. Um, lady and gentlemen, Assalamu alaikum. Shukran so much for joining us. Wa Now, the Leadership College and the Two Oceans Foundation has a very special relationship with Islamic Relief, Malana. Uh, maybe she some light into, uh, firstly, the, the history of the Leadership College, the Two Oceans Foundation, and how that relationship between Islamic Relief and the Foundation had come about. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, Assalamu alaikum to all our listeners. Uh, basically, many of you, or most of the people in Cape Town, will uh, associate myself more with Islamia College. Uh, Islamia College started in 1984, has over 30 year uh, history. However, with the change and the independence in South Africa, the uh, Muslim school scenario took a slight turn for the better because with independence and freedom comes a lot of uh, advantages. Mm -hmm. However, the original aim, which still remains with Islamia, is to serve enough of the poor and the needy. Mm -hmm. uh, got uh, not uh, thrown by the wayside, but became difficult because there were more fee-paying Muslim families mm -hmm. uh, from the middle class. Uh, that uh, we were more willing to come to Islamia, pay the fees, and, and so and even the sheer numbers mm -hmm. became so phenomenally big. Uh, we have almost 79 children. They, so the objective of bringing in as many uh, children from the townships and giving them bursaries, scholarship, became a little, uh, bit difficult. Yeah. Also, at the same time, we've learned, which we didn't know at the time, is that uh, children from the township, when they come to a affluent school, not that Islam are extremely affluent, mm -hmm. they remain in a uh, in an environment that is not very comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because while we can give them free education, mm -hmm. uh, even in an institution uh, like Islamia, which still provides mm -hmm. for some uh, needy children, we cannot uh, make these children grow. There's a slight drawback. They can't have branded goods. They can't when they come back from holidays talk of their visit to Durban or Dubai or London, mm -hmm. uh, they, and they can't spend uh, at the tuck shop uh, fifty rand or a hundred or two hundred rand. So a withdrawal symptom mm -hmm. starts uh, setting in. So even the bright ones, instead of prospering in the academics, start uh, becoming static or even uh, going lower. Uh, Mrs. Norton then. Uh, about uh, 10 years ago, seven years ago, felt that we need to find an alternative to this. Mm -hmm. And she came up with a brilliant idea of opening a school in the heart of Manenberg, because that's where she lived and she grew up. And that is how seven years ago, this is the eighth year leadership college, uh, emerged in uh, Manenberg mm -hmm. to st serve strictly the children of Manenberg. Mm -hmm. They are in the plus minus 780 children, about 10 children that are coming from outside uh, Manenberg or from the less disadvantaged mm -hmm. and these are children that uh, simply uh, want to be in leadership regardless of its location. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there are about uh, 10 of them and uh, these 10 give a voluntary contribution mm -hmm. but leadership strictly is a non-fee school. It's an absolutely free school mm -hmm. uh, with no fees at all. Okay. So Marlena, 
You mentioned seven years ago the un- upon the establishment of the Leadership College. Um, certain plans, I'm sure, were, were to be put in place and in order for the school to be a no-fee-paying school, um, certain plans and measures needed to, put, needed to be put in place. And that's, of course, when a relationship was then established with, uh, other, with, with entities and organizations and individuals, but um, mo- most importantly, Islamic Relief. Tell us about that partnership. The partnership with uh, Islamic really emerged when uh, uh, our previous Premier Ibrahim Rasul invited her to visit him mm-hmm. in Washington while he was uh, ambassador. And he said, look, come and talk to some of the Muslim brothers in the USA about uh, uh, the leadership uh, college. Uh, we went on the trip and he invited uh, Dr. Hashmawi. Mm-hmm. who was uh, the head of uh, Islamic uh, Relief, uh, the global, worldwide. And when he heard what was happening in leadership, he said, no, a partnership needs to be formed. And I don't know exactly, but it's, that was about four or five years ago. That partnership has grown into a very, very important and a very critical partnership. In fact, to run a free school uh, for the past three years, uh, my d- dates may not be correct, but uh, for the past three years would uh, literally be uh, almost impossible without the partnership with the uh, Islamic uh, Relief. It's a very strong partnership. We have a, a very good working uh, relationship and things are done uh, very meticulously with all the reporting that we have to do and mm-hmm. the results are, are checked and uh, everything uh, else is checked. Within the uh, uh, leadership uh, college structure, we have wonderful teachers. We have an extraordinary, the previous principal, Sheikh Hattas, and now Mr. Acha, who has a global experience mm-hmm. in being a principal, mm-hmm. especially in the UK and in Malawi before he joined us. Uh, he was in many local schools as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, the team is a super, super team. And mm-hmm. our results for the last three years are speaking for themselves. Mm-hmm. These children are benefiting. Uh, in the first uh, uh, batch of uh, matriculants, the girl uh, who was a Hafiza and the mother said, look, you can't go to school anymore. Mm-hmm. And she would have been a school dropout. Mm-hmm. And today she's, I think, in third year medicine with uh-huh. a full scholarship at mm-hmm. Stanmosh University. So the products of uh, leadership are doing very well in, in different faculties, in different areas uh, of expertise, and they are doing very well. So the, what we intended to do for Mannenberg, I think we are definitely uh, achieving it. And the biggest pressure for us is space and those things, but inshallah, those things are being handled and are working out very, very well. Again, I must emphasize that the partnership with Islamic Relief has been one of the uh, foundations of our growth. The WhatsApp line, of course, 072. 238 0712. That's 072 um, uh, We're just going to take a short break, inshallah. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with the team from the Leadership College. We'll be chatting to um, the principal, Mr. Yusuf Acha, and some of the learners there, inshallah. And uh, also uh, getting some input from uh, Brother Yusuf Mohammed as well. And joining us in studio uh, is uh, representatives from the Leadership College in Manenberg. It's the principal, Mr. Yusuf Acha. We've got in studio as well, Molana Ali Adam. The chairperson of the Two Oceans Education Foundation. Forgot Zahid Abbas, a grade 11 learner at the school, and Zahra Hendricks as well, a grade 11.
Kevin Lanner of the school. We're finding out a bit more about the partnership between TLC, the Two Oceans Education Foundation, and Islamic Relief, uh, but also finding out a bit more about the great work being done at the Leadership College. Uh, coming to you, Mustacha, we spoke obviously to Molina, who gave us a bit of a, an insight into the history of the sure. school and, 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 and how the school had come about, etc. Uh, initially, in its early years, uh, TLC didn't have, uh, I think it only had a grade 8 to 10 class, if I was not mistaken. And uh, the school has subsequently grown from there, which had matriculants for a number of different years now. Take us through that journey and, and, and where the school currently is. Yes, uh, shukran, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I think if you look at the Leadership College since its inception in 2010, it has made phenomenal growth and development in all facets of the life of the child and the institution. I think a point of record that needs to be placed, we are hugely indebted to Islamic Relief for all its support and assistance given over the years. The Leadership College is placed in the heart of Manenberg and you know when one speaks of Manenberg you know it has such huge perceptions of violence and gangsterism etc etc and the list goes on and on in terms of social challenges in which our learners emerge from so the greater part uh, of the school you know we there's a huge focus on uh, internal discipline of the learners and its focus is very much placed on the character development of the child when the child enters the gate of the school we place a huge premium on giving him a sense of pride and dignity and to understand that listen that if he's at the leadership college then there are codes of discipline, codes of conduct as well. And I can tell you conclusively that most of the learners coming from these areas, despite all the social problems and challenges, they come up to our expectations in terms of the discipline, the growth. And I think any institution of learning has to be a very clear sense of code of conduct and discipline. And therefore, the Leadership College over the years has placed huge emphasis on this. And we can say that, you know, our learners have come up to expectations. In 2010, the institution, the Leadership College, started some 47 learners. Mm -hmm. Now we're on the threshold of about 680 wow. learners, that's including the Hibs Academy, mm -hmm. which we have at the school as well. We do believe that it's a facet of the child that if he wants to study and preserve and memorize the Quran, there should be a place at the Leadership College for him or her. But the undertaking is that if he or she completes the memorization of the Quran, then he comes into mainstream school. And if necessary, we accelerate the academic program of the child. Mm -hmm. So there is a support for maths and science for HIV students as well. There's huge uh, achievements as far as the leadership college is concerned. And I think here, uh, one must place on record in terms of the pioneering principal, Shikari Hattas, and to all those mm -hmm. educators, both past and present, mm -hmm. and given the excellent support of our director, Mr. Norton, and our chairperson, Dr. Ali Adam. Mm -hmm. We have, I think, a you know, type of a philosophy and ethos of the school that we embrace collectively, that you know, we all on the same page to understand that the learners that we have at our school come from, come from very disadvantaged and impoverished homes. And there's a huge amount of compassion and empathy that we need to show to our learners. And together with that, I think you know, we have established a, I would say, a very solid uh, team that understands the child, understands the background of the child, this counseling that's going on, social work that's going on. So the teacher is beyond the scope of his or her delivery of the subject matter. He or she, when he in the classroom or she is in the classroom, that it's a mother figure or a father figure. And children come up to, you know, like the teacher and say, mom or dad in that case. So there's a good uh, type of a family spirit which prevails in school. And children at our school find it very easy to, you know, to relate the personal problems or domestic problems to our teachers and to myself and to Mr. Norton as well. 
So I think those are the some of the you know the ethos blocks of the school that we establish, where learners must feel comfortable and confident to speak to us about the problems, and when we address the problems, you know, it's held in a great sense of integrity and confidentiality. But at the same time, we we place a lot of incentives that despite all the problems, we would want the child to you know uh, to experience you know the the growth of in terms of the personal and professional and emotional growth at the leadership college and hence i think if we put in all the facets you know that the educators are placing in i think it's a school of excellence in the heart of manenberg and i think we can substantiate this with very tangible results in terms of 20 2014 uh, we had the 97 uh, i would say 87.5% results and then in 2015 we had a 72 plus percent pass rate and then obviously last year alhamdulillah we have been given a certificate of um, achievement from the western cape education department we had a 92 percent 0.5 metric result and i think the metric results always stands a you know as a you know as a as a benchmark and i think many schools institutions of learning are measured in terms of the metric results and i think you know for the leadership college based in the heart of Manenberg, based in the heart of an area that's noted for all its social evils and social challenges. I think it's excellent results and I think we have been commended rightfully by the Western Cape Education Department for this and all. And I think I must thank Islamic Relief as well for the excellent support they give us. You know, where they've always fully affirm and recognize the achievements of the Leadership College. And hence, we are together still after so many years, Mr. Mohammed, we thank you very dearly. And uh, apart from the academic in the, you know, excellence of the school, uh, I can very much speak very highly in terms of the leaders that, you know, have done exceptionally well on the sports field. The Nasheed competition for the last, I have to bring this point home, Mr. <laughs> Kenny, is for the last three years, our senior Nasheed boys uh, at our school have been champions of the Western Cape uh, Islamic uh, Nasheed competition and uh, this has been uh, highly recognized even from Zain Bika and many international artists as well to such an extent that whenever international artists come to the shores of Cape Town they would want us to please bring forward a representation of our Nasheed artists from our school. So there's loads of talents both not necessarily on the academic side of our life but very much on the social and the uh, you know the sporting side as well uh, we have uh, learners who have been selected for western province for football rugby etc we had a learner that went to belgium mm-hmm. recently we had oh. one of our grade 12 learner uh, Yunus. he has been to zakir who has been to tunisia for table tennis as well so i think the leadership college has taken its place both locally nationally and internationally and as a principal of the school i'm indeed very proud to be associated with such excellent learners at the leadership college mm-hmm. wow i think that's that's really a mouthful and i think one should really commend yourself Mr. Atra, and sure. uh, the staff and and the management of the school for for doing such a great job and, and keeping the kids encouraged and keeping them uh, on the right track and we're going to find out from the kids now and and, and we're going to find out uh, from them what it's like being at tlc is Mr. Acha a, a, a more strict man at, the, at school than he is when he's in studio? Um, is Molana, does he smile a bit more when he's at TLC than he does when he's in studio? Uh, Zahra Hendricks joins us in studio inside the press. Uh, Zahra, we're going to start with you. Your journey at TLC, when did it start and what has been, been your experience thus far? Okay, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Firstly, I would like to start by saying, um, speaking about how I found TLC. Mm-hmm. Th- okay. 
When I was in grade seven, that was in uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, 2011, 2010, I was in grade seven, mm-hmm. and that was just when TLC started. And because our school is close to Manningburg, mm-hmm. we we. We got application forms to attend TLC because okay. that is when it just started. Mm-hmm. So, um, so which primary school you at? I was at Sadi Primary School, okay. and at that time, I, because I live in Sadi Estate, mm-hmm. my mom wouldn't let me go to a school in Manenberg. Yeah, and then. Um, Everyone was asking like, oh, are you going to that school? Are you going to that school? Because everyone was speaking about it. And I was like, no, my mommy will never, ever send me there. <laughs> but then, um, and also I had uh, other plans mm. after um, grade seven. Then I started um, Madrasa mm. in 2011. Um, in 2013, my, bro- my brother started uh, at that school. Mm-hmm. And he was in, he started in grade 10. And you know, I, ca- I can't really relate much about my experience at the school, but I can tell you a lot about my brother. Mm-hmm. Because um, my brother started in, in that year, he started grade 10. And he was older than many of the other students. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that for learning from him and his experience at the school was much, it gave me insight of the school so much differently because. I learned that the school wasn't just about, um, there weren't um, gangsters at the school or there wasn't violence and there wasn't fights every day at the school as I thought it would be. Mm. And then <clears throat> before I completed my studies, before I came to, uh, before I came to Telsey, when I completed, um, my mommy told me that I have the opportunity to go to high school because I thought that I wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. because my mommy, was a, uh, my mommy and my daddy were, were the type of people that wouldn't let their daughters go to high school where they would just do matric through mm-hmm. some college or whatever. And then I, um, when my mommy gave me this, when she gave me this option, I was like, but mommy, you said that you wouldn't let me go. And then I was, so she um, reassured me and she told me, but this is, she trusts the school and she trusts the, the environment. And that made me feel so much better. And then when I started, and I never told many people about this, but on my first day, I cried. Mm-hmm. And I was 18 years old already, but I cried on my first day of high school. And I was in grade 10. And then my experience at the school was amazing because I can tell that the, the environment is safe. The opportunities, the opportunities we are granted there is it's, it's nothing like any other school in an, in an, an area as ours or as Manenberg. And um, I can say that we, we, were, um, we were exposed to many things, especially coming from Manenberg. We, we were given the opportunities to do many things. Um, we were taken out of our comfort zone um, where we, we were taken to places where we, even, we haven't even been before. And like p- stu- um, students that coming from Annenberg, they don't go to much places. Um, and they, yes, I can say that um, Manenberg, um, TLC Manenberg has done a lot for the community, mm-hmm. even though um, the, the, situ- the, the, the place we are situated in. Mm-hmm. So... In terms of your experiences, and I think just by listening to the passion in which you speak about the school, um, you, you seem very passionate and you seem very um, proud of being a learner at TLC. Yes, I am indeed. I am a proud learner of TLC. And many people would ask me, which school are you at? Um, coming from Madrasa, after Madrasa, when, well, I told them I'm, I went to high school. Mm-hmm. And then everyone was like, 
how could you have gone to high school after madrasa and then i told them but like this is what where i am and also um Okay, I'm going to let you uh, think about the next thought, inshallah. I'm going to move on to Zaid Abbas, uh, another grade 11 learner at the school. Um, Zaid, assalamu alaikum to you. You've been sitting very quiet for a very long time, and so now is finally your opportunity to speak. Tell us about your journey at TLC and what it's been like, and, and let's see if you can match the passion that Zahra has when talking about TLC. Okay, so my journey um, for, from T or with TLC, doesn't really start at grade eight. Mm-hmm. It starts at primary school level. I joined the primary school um, side of the the TLC, which is in Mitchell's Plain. And since grade four, grade five, I was I started with. So I got. Um, I felt that in in the primary school, uh, the the love and the how, how can I put it? Uh, just how, how I felt about the school and the opportunities and that I didn't want that to to leave me. So um, mm-hmm. um, also when when I found that okay the school has a high school as mm-hmm. well, then I thought okay if I go there I can stay in the within the two oceans family and mm-hmm. build with the the family. Okay. And so, then arriving from primary school into TLC, did you get there with any sort of expectations? And and if there were any expectations, were those expectations met? Yes, um, I expected. Um, I I didn't expect what 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 was what happened mm-hmm. because um, when I came there, it was it was just different. The environment was different. I didn't feel like a school. It felt like like you just like it felt like a home. If I if I can put it as such, it was it was unique in all all the facets. Mm-hmm. Okay, Zahra, I'm going to come back to you now. Uh, hopefully, you've settled down a bit, inshallah. <laughs> yes. So, you mentioned that when speaking about some of, uh, speaking to some of the, the your friends and some of your colleagues that had gone to madrasa with you, um, and you informed them about being at TLC, they they found it a bit strange. Yes, they did. Now, many people. Um, the people I speak to, the people that ask me about my school, they would ask me, so where is your school? Mm-hmm. And like, everyone would expect me to shy away and say that my school is in Manenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, mm-hmm. I would say proudly that I attend TLC in Manenberg mm-hmm. because I we do great work there. We are offered um, m- many things and also... Um, we are a Muslim ethos school, mm-hmm. so we do perform salat as well. We are not all Muslim at the school. You can you you can be any religion. It's not about Islam, mm-hmm. but it is that um, we we do we make salat at school. Mm-hmm. We read um, we read Quran in our free times. We um, have adkar programs. We also we um, there are facilities mm-hmm. for every religion. They have model training while we make salat. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, um, we are taken out uh, for inter- interfaith programs as well. Mm-hmm. I think also just if, if, if I can just make mention of one particular thing uh, that I found amazing when visiting the school. Um, and you mentioned the Islamic ethos and you mentioned the, the fact that it's, it's um, 
a religion or a school with with a number of different religions um, was that in the morning when the assembly starts there is uh, a dua and then there is a prayer that yes. is made um, and uh, on this particular morning that I was at the school uh, we had brought along with us brother Zane Beaker for a uh, performance and a little bit of a uh, performance to the school and even for the non-muslim learners um, the, the the show that was that was done by Brother Zain was preceded by a performance by the um, the Nasheed group of the school, and even some of the non-Muslim learners who didn't really understand my in, in my own assumption then didn't really understand what Nasheed was about, um, but they were just as excited and just as happy to see uh, in the success of of of, of that Nasheed group. And when Brother Zain came on, for example, they shared the same kind of excitement that some of our Muslim uh, learners who are used to listening to him, maybe on on uh, stations like VOC, um, they came there with with the same excitement. And that's what I find so amazing, Mr. Chair. Yes, I think uh, the point that both learners has made mention is the you know the idea of a family spirit which prevails at the leadership college. Both learners have made that uh, very clear to our listeners mm-hmm. as well. And I'm glad that you were there, Kenny, to have a first-hand info and observation of the entire situation. Uh, the Leadership College, you know, we see this as a, an institution that needs to develop young learners to go to university and to the, into a very broad and a plural society. Mm-hmm. So we have learners both from the Christian faith and obviously from Islamic faith. Uh, but what's important is that we have a very cohesive, integrative policy at the school that whilst the Christian learners or the Muslim learners are busy with Salah, we do not neglect nor marginalize the Christian learners at the school at the time. We have what is called moral training, ethics, development values, etc. Mm-hmm. So there is a very close you know, uh, contact and understanding and assimilation, I would say, between the two sets of learners. So as you rightly pointed out, you know, we want to bring the learners up you know, to have an understanding the, the leadership college is a training ground for learners to develop in a future life in a very broad and a very plural society. So it's also citizenship building as well. Mm-hmm. Because South Africa is a very broad society of mm-hmm. people of different colors, creed, etc., etc. And, uh, you know, I would like to also just touch on, you know, uh, the fact that when we, whenever there's an assembly or when the list starts in the morning, there is a Christian prayer and there is an Islamic prayer dua as well. And I think this, you know, then and both sets of learners from different sets of religions have a respect for each another and mm-hmm. tolerance, and which is so much needed mm-hmm. in the life in which we find ourselves today. And again, yeah, the leadership college is fully understand about the global issues that's taking place throughout the world. So yeah, we are now to train our learners, and even the moral and ethics period in the Islamic studies. And I can conclusively state that you know our teachers are so well trained, have a very balanced and moderate understanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, a very good understanding that, you know, they want to uh, have learners, to, you know, to to build themselves up, not from any sides of extremism, but to be very balanced individual and moderate individuals in the future. And I think, uh, you know, to me as the principal of the school, and the leadership college has been established by Mrs. Norton and Mulana Ali Adam is an excellent model to demonstrate and give exposition to how values between two different faiths can be inculcated and can be respected and tolerance must prevail in both in this life and when they leave the, leave the mm-hmm. school later in life. And I think this is why we are there to ensure that, you know, especially these learners grow up to be excellent leaders for the future, hence the name, the, the Leadership, Leadership College. College. 
Mr. Acha and uh, company, just before we do conclude, I know we've uh, slightly over time, but there's a message here that I just want to read for you. It comes from 2125 that says, Assalamu alaikum, alhamdulillah for the good work at TLC in collaboration with Islamic Relief and Two Oceans Education Foundation are doing. But there's such a big need uh, for many more schools such as TLC. Two of my children have matriculated from Islamia, but unfortunately I'm not able to send my other kids. Does TLC take learners from other areas? And or would there be other schools like TLC uh, opening in other areas um, as well? Would uh, the listener like to know? Molina, would you like to just quickly answer that before we have to conclude? Yeah, that has become a major sentiment in the mm-hmm. community that uh, from other areas. But like I already said in the beginning, we've got about 10 that we have taken uh, because of certain uh, background information mm-hmm. about them. Uh, as far as future growth is concerned, that's where Two Oceans came into being. Mm-hmm. Two Oceans started after leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, we realized that we have to, uh, to be involved in more schools, not necessarily free schools like mm-hmm. leadership is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are involved. There's another very strong partnership with Islamic Relief in uh, Johannesburg at Ennerdale mm-hmm. with the Osazueni project, which Islamic Relief is involved, and we're doing the primary school section uh, of that project. So the idea to expand does exist, but it's not an easy mm-hmm. one. And uh, inshallah, uh, if uh, our new project, which is teacher training, mm-hmm. uh, takes off, it's going to the first lectures will be delivered uh, sometime in July. It's okay. opening now. If that institution, which is the beginning of a Islamically run open university mm-hmm. uh, with the education faculty as the first uh, faculty uh, that is designed to make profits so while we get help from organizations like Islamic Relief or particularly Islamic Relief we will be able to within these uh, two oceans framework also generate money mm-hmm. and if that does take place inshallah uh, God willing Allah with Allah's mercy then we may be able to open a few more schools inshallah. on our own strength to get in funds for free school is not mm-hmm. the easiest of things. At all. Uh, just final word from your side, just before we conclude. Um, so, uh, I just wanted to touch on also um, the tertiary institutions mm-hmm. that that are also part or, or have partnership. Partnership. Mm-hmm. partnership with with the school, mm-hmm. um, like the Free State University, mm-hmm. where twenty of the learners from the leadership college were invited, if I should say, um, to the open day at the Free State University. So um, it's things like this also, the Tiba Business University also, that um, it gives uh, opportunities to to the Leadership College and um, we'd like to thank them for that also mm-hmm. as well. No, shukran so much and uh, shukran to all of you for joining us in studio this morning uh, it's much appreciated we pray of course that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that the school and the foundation go from strength to strength inshallah mm-hmm. grant success to the learners and uh, may many more people be inspired to get involved with the school either through Islamic Relief or directly through the Two Oceans Education Foundation inshallah uh, the details can be found on the Islamic Relief website and we'll share that with you closer to the end of the show as well uh, lady and gentlemen shukran so much 
much for joining us. Shukran. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Wa Welcome back to the Relief Network here on the Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM studio with myself, Ashraf Kini, and uh, Brother Yusuf Muhammad of uh, Islamic Relief. Uh, of course, be featuring the organization uh, this morning and every Monday between the hours of 10 and 12 uh, for the remainder of the month of Ramadan. So stay tuned to find out a bit more about some of our other projects in international work that we engaged in and that we're involved in, inshallah. Uh, and uh, I think coming back to Brother Yusuf Muhammad, of course, the COO of Islamic Relief, we've just had uh, the group or the delegation from the Leadership College and the Two Oceans Foundation in studio with us. How important is it for Islamic Relief to be involved in the or, or partnering with the Leadership College and the Two Oceans Foundation, and why does it continue to do so? Well, as you have heard, Brother Ashraf, um, Two Oceans Educational Foundation, they've, they've got something good going. Mm-hmm. They're making a real impact. They're making a real difference in the community. They are transforming people's lives, um, breaking the cycle of poverty. And that's what at Islamic Relief we support in other organizations. Mm-hmm. We don't want to establish other organi- where organizations are already doing such sterling work. Islamic Relief will come and support that mm-hmm. organization. And... Molana Ali Adam, obviously we know his credentials, mm-hmm. he's been in the field of education for years. Mm-hmm. And the establishment of the Two Oceans Educational Foundation and its vision, something that Islamic Relief believes in and we're supporting the initiative. Mm-hmm. Two Oceans, as we, can, as we have seen, um, they produced sterling results. Uh, the top student last year got six distinctions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already had, from Islamic Relief side, prepared a bursary for the student. But because of her results, mm-hmm. she, achi- she attained a bursary. A private company mm-hmm. offered her a bursary. She told us we don't need, mm-hmm. she doesn't need the Islamic Relief mm-hmm. bursary, li- bursary any longer. Alhamdulillah, we could uh, mm-hmm. allocate that to another mm-hmm. student. But this is just what I'm speaking about. That Islamic Relief, we are there to support mm-hmm. organizations that are involved in real development work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we partner with organizations um, that have a similar vision, that share mm-hmm. our vision for poverty alleviation through development. Because mm-hmm. education, as we know, for example, education is really the key to, f- to, to the future. Mm-hmm. You're giving a child an opportunity to access resources which, under normal circumstances, their prevailing conditions under which they were living pre- pre- precluded them from. Mm-hmm. So... In, as Islamic Relief, we identified TLC in Manenberg, as we know, one of the most gang-infested and violence, uh, violent areas in the, West, in the Western Cape. Um, but this little pocket of excellence, we felt that there was a, a need to support this, mm-hmm. this school. And that's where we came in. Mm-hmm. And we fund the students through our div- um, Educate a Leader program. Mm-hmm. We fund the students' fees for the entire year, alhamdulillah. Molina Ali Adam spoke about um, a particular partnership or a ongoing uh, initiative in Innerdale in Johannesburg as well. Um, and uh, he spoke about the Two Oceans um, Foundation being involved there. Uh, tell us a bit more about that particular project. Yeah, this project in Innerdale, which mm-hmm. is also one of the more poorer mm-hmm. um, Informal, set, informal areas. There's a, mm-hmm. a large informal set, settlement mm-hmm. in Innerdale, where some of the also the poorest mm-hmm. communities can be found. Uh, we, Alhamdulillah, we have helped since establishment over a thousand children, including over 300 orphans. Mm-hmm. We fostered their development needs from early development stage until they mm-hmm. reach an age where they're able to go to school. Mm-hmm. And uh, the objective is to 
complete the full circle mm. to ensure that this child that comes from a disadvantaged background has got access to quality education. Mm. And from the early development mm. stage, which also is mm. place of hope, as mm. it is known, mm-hmm. um, we support the child as well as the when in the case mm-hmm. of orphans, we support uh, the guardian of the mm-hmm. child to develop their capacity, to build the capacity of the guardian of the child or the parents of the child to become self-sufficient mm-hmm. as well. So it's, it's a holistic approach to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been involved with Osuzweni now for a number of years. I think it's a, it goes back five, six mm-hmm. years, long before I started mm-hmm. at Islamic Relief. And it's one of those projects that tier, the Two Oceans Educational mm-hmm. Foundation came on board mm-hmm. as... Uh, the service provider for the foundation phase, mm-hmm. the school foundation phase, alhamdulillah. Brother Yusuf, uh, we've spoken quite a bit about the work that Islamic Relief is engaged in and is involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, for those people that want to find out a bit more, because we are quickly running out of time, um, the website details and contact details, how can they reach Islamic Relief? Website details, www.islamic-relief.org.za uh, if people want to get involved, follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page as well, Islamic Relief South Africa or Islamic Relief SA on Twitter and um, Instagram as well. Follow us and uh, like us. And uh, um, If you want, go to our website, find out what the regular mm. updates are of the activities mm. we are doing. For example, past weekend mm. we had the Bubaran, alhamdulillah, <laughs> in partnership with uh, the Lace Up for Change Foundation, uh, where we take a pot of buba and go and feed the homeless people at night, mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday night, and provide them with at least some some nutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, uh, it's the pot of buba that we dish out, as mm-hmm. well as some fruit, and if we have bread mm-hmm. as well, we, mm-hmm. th- we give bread, and we provide a blanket mm-hmm. to those, as we know, we on, I mean, winter's on our doorstep, mm-hmm. and we provide a blanket as well to those, those we need. Uh, so there's that buba drive, we encourage the community, sponsor a blanket at only 100 rand, or a liter of milk mm. at 10 rand. Mm. Uh, you can sponsor it through our website or come and visit us at our office. We'd love to see you, love mm. to meet you, find out how, how else you can get involved. You can volunteer your services. Uh, come visit us. We are at 396 Imam Harun Road. That is directly opposite Islamia High School. Um, the other exciting event that is coming up is the Cake for Kids uh, charity drive. It's happening on sat- Saturday the 10th of June mm. from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, it's happening at the Kromboom Center. Mm. Um, Kromboom Center, the contact person there is Tahir Adin, and her number is 083-470-1827. All proceeds from mm. this charity drive is going towards the Nelson Mandela, the mm. oncology unit mm. at the newly established uh, Nelson Mandela Children's mm. Hospital. Which we Germany. still haven't spoken about. We haven't spoken about another yeah, exciting inshallah. thing, that project that mm-hmm. we need to inform the listeners yeah. about, inshallah. Mm, inshallah. So definitely, uh, to those listeners who are tuned in, uh, please donate, please support. Um, of course, you can donate some cake and some savories and things if you are able to, if that's your field of, of expertise towards this particular event. Uh, alternatively, do come and pop around and come support uh, the event on Saturday. Today, inshallah, and uh, of course the Bubarans um, that will be taking place every Friday and Saturday um, during the month of Ramadan, inshallah. This week, I think will uh, the areas that will be covered is I think Woodstock and uh, the town area, and I'm not too sure about the other one, but I'm sure uh, our colleague at the Voice of the Cape, Irfan Abrams, will tell us more about that uh, in the coming weeks, inshallah. That's all the time that 
we have uh, this morning. Uh, shukran so much for joining us on the Relief Network featuring Islamic Relief South Africa. We'll be back with you next Monday between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. So please diarize that. Put the time aside uh, and tune into the show, inshallah. Uh, hopefully we'll be joined by uh, Sheikh Riyad Walls again and some really interesting guests from uh, around the world, inshallah, sharing some very important details with regards to the situation uh, in the various conflict zones, inshallah. Uh, so that's uh, my time for this morning. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure being in your company once again. Uh, so from myself, Ashraf Kenyan, Brother Yusuf Muhammad, we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.